In this episode, Claire and I delve into the topic of phenomenon-based science teaching as an engaging way to increase understanding of science concepts while improving science practices. However, we will warn you that not all lessons labeled as phenomenon-based are equally effective. I share a simple but powerful lesson that starts with dropping cans of soda into water to help students understand buoyancy and density. But on the flip side, we also criticize a lesson on forces in motion that falls short, potentially reinforcing misconceptions and likely creating lots of confusion among students. Teaching science is hard, and we personally know that writing curriculum for science teachers is really difficult. So this conversation is not meant to be a criticism towards a specific company, but more a general conversation on how we can best promote effective science teaching. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Natasha. Hey, Claire. So you left the last podcast on a teaser, and I have been dying to know what happened you talked about how you went to two sessions at your last conference at CAST on phenomenon-based teaching. Yeah. And one was awesome and one was terrible. Yeah. And I want to know which bucket I fall into because I do some of this. So, <laughs> Okay. So Claire, what, what is phenomenon-based teaching and what would you, how would you describe it if you have any idea? Oh, goodness. Put me on the spot. I know, it's not a quiz. It's just, I want to get your initial reaction. Okay. So normally when I do it, I do some sort of demo in front of my classes and I do some sort of science experiment or something that would be like, whoa, where the kids are really trying to figure out what is going on. So it's a, it's a bewilderment demo. Like your magic thing. Yes. Like my magic water bottle that we did a podcast on, uh, and then they're like trying to figure it out. We do some science discussion. And then I start dripping out the details as they're like experiencing it. So it's really getting into their brain. Yeah, exactly. So phenomenon is anything that is, um, so I'm wondering, yeah, your magic bottle would fit. So it's meant to be like a naturally occurring thing that happens. Mm -hmm. So like anything from dropping an object, right? Gravity or a weather system or anything that just kind of happens um, out in the world. And that's meant to be a little bit distinguished from more of the engineering side. So like a man-made event, but they just fit together. Like your trick was created by you, but the science behind it is like what you're interested in. You cannot separate engineering and yeah. science. And I think that people that are so adamant in that they're two separate buckets, I mean, I can argue that in two seconds, like it's so <laughs> intertwined um, that it's just not worth it. There's a spectrum. So we can talk about like what fits clearly in an engineering bucket and what fits clearly in science, but there's a spectrum where there's engineering science is all twisted together. Um, so helping students, you know, maybe understand the sense of each word, but I don't let's not overdo it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. now that the we talked about in the last podcast, 
science uh, standards in Texas are integrating engineering. And part of that rationale is because they are so interconnected is why we want science teachers to make those connections for students that you live in this man-made world and those inventions and innovations are powered by science. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I love your explanation of it. Um, one of the themes of this conference, there's um, this learning model with five E, right? What's that first E? Do you know? Engage. Yes, you got it. I drew a blank for a minute and I was like, wait. Uh. So in other conferences I've been to, it's been like this big trend towards you got to engage them, inspire them, motivate them, give them something flashy. And it's sometimes like read a book or, you know, do some kind of activity. Um, and the focus that I notice in this conference is the hook and just be the science. Like the kids just want to know what happened. It's this like, curiosity driven learning. And that's really what phenomenon based teaching is, is you show them what you want them to understand. And your example is perfect. So one session I went to, they had a couple, uh, so they played a video and they said, we have this library of videos you can use in your classroom, or you can do it yourself. Um, and they have different sizes and types of Coke soda. So they have Diet Coke, two different sizes, and then regular Coke, two different sizes. And in the video, they drop uh, the large regular Coke bottle into an aquarium. So you can see through it. It's just water. Okay. The bottom. The next, they drop a smaller sized Diet Coke can into the aquarium and it floats. And the video ends there. And you as students need to now ask questions and try to understand what's happening and draw a model to explain why did one sink? Why did one float? What else do you need to know? Okay. And so the mm -hmm. audience was going crazy. They loved it. They're like, but they're not the same. There's different kinds, right? Like, what are you thinking? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many questions about the the density of the bottle and the weight of the bottle and how much water, uh, air is in it and carbon dioxide. Yeah. Someone said, what's the temperature? Is one cold and one hot? Ooh. Is there yes. salt in the water? Like all these science teachers, you know, they know kind of what they're looking for. And it was amazing. And so then the students are tasked with figuring out what happened, explaining this phenomenon of one is sinking, one is floating, by doing their own inquiry. So they're given no direction, no worksheet. Instead, they're like, go figure it out. So each group got their own little water tank. Oh, cool. Right? And they got to drop different things. Well, why did that sink? What else could we change? What else might have been different with my tank versus your tank? So it's kind of like a, a mystery that they're trying to unlock. Yes. And throughout this, the teacher will sprinkle in information. So they just start playing around and then she's like, well, read this. This might be useful. So she'll talk about like density and what is density and how do we calculate it? And then talk about maybe how what's inside a Coke can. And you mentioned like air pockets. Is that important? So the students are fed information throughout their lab to make changes, to help build their understanding. Vocabulary is sprinkled in as they need it, not like to start the lesson. Mm -hmm. And in the end, they're left better understanding science practices. They're getting these kind of connecting themes of cause and effect, right? Patterns. And then they are understanding the content of density and buoyancy as the teacher is supporting them throughout the lab. It's like being applied in real time, which is how learning should take place. 
And you cannot do that with cookie cutter curriculum. Unfortunately, I wish we could. It would be easier for everybody to just have a script and we just read it. But what happens here is the students are motivated. They didn't need a flashy hook. You literally dropped soda in a water tank. Like that sounds lame, but it's like fascinating because you're like, I don't understand. Or maybe you think you understand, Mm -hmm. right? And you go down this whole thing to prove it. So it also becomes evidence-based reasoning. So there's like this claims, evidence, justification um, where kids are having to say, this is what I think is happening. Here's the evidence I have for it. And here's why it's important. So you're having these amazing scientific discussions. Okay. So obviously I like the session. Yeah. All right. So I'm like, I need to find another session. Well, wait, so you had this session first. I did. Oh, okay. It was the first session of the conference I went to. Oh, bar was set. set. The bar so high that the only one that passed it was Tatiana. Oh yeah. So go through the whole conference. There's a very last session of the conference that is phenomenon-driven science. Mm. So I'm like, let's check it out. I Hungry love it. for more. Right. Give me more. This is for elementary. And so they start off the same and they're like, okay, so this phenomenon-based learning is, you know, you show them the science. They're going to want to know what's happening. They want to understand it. So they play a video. And the video is of a kid kicking a soccer ball. So she's like juggling it or whatever fancy like soccer moves. And they're like, kids love soccer. They're probably play soccer on the soccer field or on the playground. So this is something they can relate to. And this now you will draw what you think is happening. Um, So the same style, but of someone kicking a soccer ball. But if you can imagine, they're not just kicking it. They're like bouncing it on their foot. Okay. So like, what would you draw? This is elementary? This is fourth, no, no, third through fifth. So I draw a stick figure and a ball on its foot. Yeah. Pretty much. uh, I also drew it like rotating because the ball kept spinning. Okay. Yep. And so I'm like. What are we getting from this? Where are we going with this? I'm a little scared. I should have been scared. (laughs) (laughs) So then they're like what is our um, guiding question? What do we want to know? And all the teachers are like, are they going to score? (laughs) So then they give us the answer and they're like, the thing you want to know is unequal forces. Nope. That's not what I wanted to know. You did (laughs) it. So they (laughs) asked a question like, how do unequal forces change the motion of the object this is what the kids are supposed to come up with okay so Mm. let me get to the mystery part so the other one they're like let's investigate so they give us a box of stuff was there a soccer ball in this box absolutely not there were (laughs) ramps and cars no yes and we were now needed to answer our need to know question of unequal forces by rolling cars down ramps and adding different weights to the cars what we were measuring i don't know it was up to us so (laughs) so my husband was there with me and we were like oh no um okay (laughs) so we like looked at different angles of the ramp to like how far it would go and on the whole time i'm like what does this have to do with soccer like i just want to know and so you're supposed to like 
go through this whole process of create. So I love how they made it open. The kids could kind of try out different variables, test different things. But changing the angle of the ramp is gravity, right? So we're talking about Mm -hmm. kinetic potential energy. Adding weights is so complicated for this scenario because we're talking about normal forces and friction forces, acceleration. So what I'm thinking about this is, are we referring back to deflate gate? Where is the soccer ball? Are they changing the weight or something like, are they deflating the soccer ball? Like, where are we trying to get to with this? Yeah, Justin was like, the weight. The, my husband, Justin, he was like, it's all about collisions with a soccer ball. And it's a, is it an elastic or inelastic collision? Uh-huh. We aren't colliding anything with these cars. No, nope. There's no rotation happening. And so my, they didn't even take us to the whole lesson. This was like an hour long session that I have no idea where it was going. Um, but in the end, we re- we a bunch of cars went down ramps. We collected data. So yay, we understood what unequal forces no led to f- motion happening. I think Friction. was the answer. And then I was supposed to change my model. So I was supposed to go back to my soccer ball model. Your stick figure. A stick and... figure of a kid kicking a soccer ball, and I was supposed to change it to be accurate. So I was supposed to find all my misconceptions I had about gravity and forces. And now, what? Uh, <laughs> I understand the soccer ball. <laughs> um, the problem, Claire. Why did I not like this? The, I don't know where to start, Natasha. Because I would fail that class. It was phenomenon-based learning. They were the same. (laughs) The phenomenon is that whoever was teaching this class had no idea what forces are. Okay, but here's the sad part about this story. The first session was done by a professor at a university, and he has like this really small company. He charges, I think it was like $40 a month to access a year, $40 a year to access his whole library of content. Sweet. The last session was run by a mega company. Like I'm talking, there were 20 of these employees. They were sponsoring, now I don't want to give too much away here, but they were a major sponsor of this conference. Okay. They were everywhere at this conference. No. Yes. So there were five presenters in the room during this rolling cart thing. So I can't give them any excuse that it was a teacher struggling to explain this. Like it was an entire company of curriculum that probably charges thousands of dollars for this content. Natasha, we have to stop them. I know. Children cannot be exposed to this. This is why I have children that are so confused about life because of things like this. And they probably offer online courses to teach kids who like homeschool or something. And they confuse them and make them not want to do engineering because they make them feel stupid. Well, you make the teacher feel stupid because we're in the room like asking questions about this. Like, how does it relate? What's going on? And they're using the words, they've got the vocabulary, you know, and it's research based and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this was your best lesson. Like you presented yeah. what you thought was going to be the best to get me to buy. It gets stuff. worse than that. How does it get worse than that? I don't know, but <sighs> they clearly, and I will give them that force in motion is a complicated topic and it's really hard to teach well. So starting with that, um, 
I agree should be done phenomenon based, but they just didn't have an expert that really understood this topic. And if you're telling me the soccer ball is unequal forces and we're going to learn that from a car down a ramp, you have missed it completely. That is awful. I mean, I was expecting that just to be poorly explained, but that is not even in the same ballpark as okay. Yeah. So, okay, Natasha, if you were to fix this and you were to go up there and be like, hold on, I'm going to give you a better example of forces in motion because you've taught this before to your undergrads. Mm -hmm. What did you do for forces in motion? So the challenge you have with forces in motion is the intersection of the two. Just like in engineering, we have a class where we just understand forces. And Mm -hmm. then we have a class where we just try to understand motion. And connecting these two starting in kindergarten is insane. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's where I've struggled with the most is helping, you know, F equals MA as like a concept is really hard. And so I'll break it into pieces. So like the most um, successful lab I've had is just trying to capture the idea of drag and gravity. So I drop those objects. We've talked about it, right? And the phenomenon is I have two objects. They fall at the same time. I have two objects. They don't fall at the same time. Oh my gosh, what is happening? And so I let the kids go and my students come up with different experiments, collect data, come up with their own models of what is happening and trying to understand it. It's, and then you could do like the cars. I've seen an amazing lab that my professor has done and it's just with cars and ramps. You don't need to bring in other stuff. Like just have the car and add different weights and see how far it goes. Have the car and add different surfaces and talk about friction, right? Have the car with different angles. So they're trying to understand the car extrapolating that to the Mm -mm. soccer is not a leap that we're ready for. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I think that we need to simplify things. You just explain what you experience. Just explain what kids are experiencing before you try to translate it. It's hard enough. Have to generalize everything. And that's where I think we are stuck in science in K-12 is trying to generalize to what Tatiana does with undergrad physics majors. We don't need to do that in first grade. Just have them play around with cars and notice patterns and notice and observe and record the data and show this cause and effect. And that's it. And stop. We yes. don't have to go into free body diagrams and F equals MA and it's too theoretical. Much. Yeah. If if you remove if you're on the moon, like, yeah. Don't make it abstract. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Make it simple and that's that is important. Develop they need to have a solid foundation of what is happening to you, the things that you can relate to before you can go past that. Otherwise, it's all going to sound real scary. And it is scary, especially for the teachers trying to teach it. Looking at the standards, I feel like can be so overwhelming if you think that you have to take it to that next level, but you don't have to. And in fact, I think it's harmful if you do. So yes, I think we always talk about this. Teaching about drag is like gold. 
that if kids can just understand how, how drag is incorporated into forces by just experimenting with parachutes or just dropping things with different air resistance. And there's so drop, stuff like tug of so war, awesome. play a tug of war game. And which direction does the rope go? It's the side with the most force. Push a cart. Okay, when I add more weight, doesn't go as far. Like you're in the grocery store and you have a more filled cart. You know what I mean? Like these everyday situations is what you need kids, especially elementary, to focus on. Yep, exactly. Well, thank you for sharing that. I uh, did you have to fill out course eval or evaluation? Oh, I should have. I did it. Session evaluations. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, if anybody has any questions about phenomenon-based learning, I hope they will email us. We are happy to help you out if you're stressed about it, teaching a certain subject, or want to know how you can use phenomenon-based learning to engage your students with some sort of concept or standard. Please reach out. We'd love to help. But thank you, Natasha, for sharing your experience at this conference. Until next time, STEM Space out. We want to take a second to give a big thank you to listeners out there who've been tuning in to the STEM Space podcast. We love what we do. We love sharing content, the latest and greatest of STEM education, and tips and tricks to help you to teach STEM. If you have been listening to us and would love to support us, please leave us a review so we can keep sharing amazing resources and content. Thank you.